0: You are the god of your story. So you get to decide what the landscape is and what it looks like. And I always say it's better for you to put it all in and then go through and do an edit than it is for you to feel like you can't trust yourself to tell the real story. Put it all in there and then we can always edit it. And if you want to have a file that's just yours, I'm never going to look at it. It's off limits. But don't throw anything away because there might be some nuggets in there that you were afraid to explore in the beginning of the piece. And as you get more confident with your process, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, whether it's an essay, a short story, a novel, a memoir, a script, whatever it is, I promise you that the truth is in there and it's going to get uncovered the more that you trust it.
1: Start writing the book you've dreamed about.
2: Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and today I have with me the amazing Katie Love, and Katie is a writer, a comedian, a writing coach, and a producer living in Los Angeles, And she is the author of the memoir, Two Tickets to Paradise, From Cult to Comedy, which recently won the comedy category for the National Indie Excellence Awards. Now, Katie is also the author of a novel by the title Cubicle and L.A. Artists, which is a collection of interviews featuring some of L.A.'s award-winning artists. And she's also now hard at work on her new novel and slinging jokes in preparation for her solo show, The Everything Room. So having heard that, I bet you can start to imagine what my conversation with Katie is going to reveal to you today. Because Katie clearly is a very versatile writer and a very funny lady. And so we are going to be talking about... Finding your emotional core in your work and being able to uncover the truth within yourself as it exists for you and being able to communicate in an authentic and powerful way with your audience. And I think that something that I'm really excited about is how we do talk about comedy and humor and finding the humor even inside of the difficult, the challenging. I think that sometimes a wonderful way to locate your emotional core is to breach the opening with humor. And so this is going to be a terrific time here with Katie, and I encourage you to enjoy.
0: Welcome to The Author's Corner. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited.
2: I am so excited to have you here because as I was sharing with you earlier, you know, we get a lot of authors on the show and, you know, I certainly work with a lot of authors uh, in my business, but it's not every day I get to talk to someone who's actually a writer. By trade, you know, and I, I think that that is a big difference because there's one thing when you're authoring a book to accomplish a certain aim, it's a whole nother thing when writing is a way of life. And yeah, judging from what I've read about you, I think we have a lot in common. It'll it'll be really fun to talk. <laughs> okay, great. You know, one of the things I noticed is that you were already writing as a child. Yeah, and and so and and you had certainly had a, an interesting enough background to. <laughs> to warrant that. But I guess maybe we could start there, right? And I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how writing, like the role that writing played for you in those early years of your life. And we can just take it from there.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think the first thing I think about when I think of my childhood in relation to writing is that, of course, it was an escape for me, but it was also a way to get my mother's attention. Mm-hmm. And my mother suffered from depression. Um, she took her own life when I was nine years old. And she suffered from alcoholism and probably bipolar disease, though back then, I don't think we they really recognized that as such. So when I think about what I was writing as a kid, I was really writing these stories about how everything came true for the protagonist, you know? It was the hero's journey, certainly. Mm-hmm. But I always found a way to like make everything turn out all right. Mm-hmm. And I would I would take these books, I would I would write the books out and then I would fold it in half and I'd staple it on the side. And then sometimes I would draw a rudimentary drawing and I am not an artist. So <laughs> even today, if you want a really good laugh, please have me over for Pictionary. I am a horrible person. But I see it in my mind as something completely, the, the clarity of my drawings in my mind is like, why can't you see this? And right. I just keep pointing at the drawing and I can't believe that you can't guess it. Um, <laughs> so I'm a horrible artist, but I would give these books to my mother and then I would, you know, sit next to her on her lap and she would read them. And it was a really special thing because... She recognized my, you know, my, I don't want to be, you know, gross and say talent, because I don't think that's really the right word. She recognized a tendency to express myself in this manner. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. you know, praised me for it. And it made all the difference. You know, she said, Mm -hmm. you'll be a great writer. And I believed her, you know, and of course, we also believe negative things that people tell us as a child, Mm -hmm. you know, I can look back and see different things in my life and see that I believed something and have had to undo that belief. Mm -hmm. But I just think that there's just so many beautiful moments in my memory of making my mother laugh. She's a much more, she was a much more conservative person in regards to humor. I was very into slapstick and Jerry Lewis and Lucille Ball. And I talk about in my book that I was raised by two comedians and a vampire because I was a latchkey <laughs> kid. And so I would yeah. come home every day uh, to watch dark shadows mm. in the seventies. And um, that was my jam. You know, I ran home to watch dark shadows like the rest of the kids in the neighborhood. And so I was watching this macabre, weird <laughs> You know, soap <laughs> opera, this macabre soap opera. And um, and then at the same time, Jerry Lewis was, you know, a genius, in my opinion. And uh, my mother did not approve of Jerry Lewis or Lucille Ball. She found Lucille Ball whiny. She didn't like it. She would sit on the couch and frown. And um, But I was thoroughly entertained. So her humor was different. And I worked hard to uh, make her laugh. I think it formed my early, you know, need to make people laugh. And I, you know, I, what I had to unlearn was don't work too hard for it, you know, because right. you don't yeah. want to see your audience like, oh, she's working too hard. Right. They get nervous. So yeah. I had to lose that part of it. But those are my earliest memories about being a writer. And I, I talk about it in my acknowledgements. Thank you for encouraging my, you know, early efforts to be a writer because it had, has made all the difference.
2: Yeah and one thing i noticed that i also related to also a latchkey kid before there was a term latchkey kid yeah also parents separated when when they when i was 2 so and and i remember very distinctly having a feeling of almost having to be the parent. Yeah. And I gather from your memoir, that might be a shared experience. You want to talk a little bit about that as well?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a scene in my book where I think I described myself as a militant nurse of sorts Hmm. that, you know, I wanted things to be cleaned up in the living room and I was throwing away bottles and I was getting her ready for work. And I do have a funny story that I've shared on this awesome live game show that Christine Blackburn does called Story Smash. And it's where you get up and you do one to three minute stories based on where the wheel lands. And so it landed on mother. And I told a story. (laughs) i was so happy that it popped into my head because it's scary because you really don't know where the wheels, like you kind of know what you might talk about, but it landed on mother. And I'm just like, I have so many stories, you know, obviously, but they're Mm kind of dark, you know, they're deep. You know yeah yeah but this one's kind of funny so I was constantly you know having to manage her and make sure she was up and ready for work and then I was going to school and so it was a morning where I couldn't get her to wake up and I called in sick for her I think she worked for an insurance company or something so I called it I called in and I said my mother will not be into work today she's been bitten by a, a vampire <laughs> You know, all I was watching was Dark Shadows every day. So it's like, I'm not coming in today. And uh that's it. I've been bitten by a vampire and there we go. So um just hilarious, you know, weird little stories like that. Another's when I had to go to the, you know, she was just out of it. She was suffering through alcoholism and was in the, you know, the really her end years. And she, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of food in the house. Things were not taken care of. So as a kid, I just saw people walking into stores and coming out with bags of food or bags of whatever they needed. Mm -hmm. And so one day on the way home from school, I was like, oh, I need to go shopping. We need need some things. And I just walked into the store and I got a paper bag and I just started filling it with things that I needed. (laughs) And then I went through the check stand because of course I saw people go through the check stand. And I put everything up there and I this was what I was buying. And through the kindness of that cashier, I was able to do this. And, and that worked out, I think, a few times until one day I found this like mechanized little bunny thing, you know, like one of those little things that you wind up and the bunny oh, yeah. you know, goes across. And I was mesmerized by this thing and I decided that we needed that as well. So I put that in the bag and my mother saw this and mm. that's when all hell broke loose. Mm. And... You know, I've looked at that moment a lot since I wrote the memoir because I think that it, you know, forms some ideas in my mind about what survival looked like for me as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was definitely the parent in that moment until she did a -a flipperoo and said, this is stealing. We're going to go to the store and you're going to apologize and we're going to take all this back and we're going to, you know, pay for it and you can't do that and this is terrible. And it was all the shame around me trying to Mm -hmm. take care of her, Her, you know. Yeah. And so I had to kind of undo that, but I find these, a lot of this going back, you know, even after I wrote the memoir, just like so fascinating. And I just picked up, or I, I just added it to my Audible list and I just started it yesterday. I'm reading Marissa's peers her latest book, Tell Yourself a New Lie. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, loved that title. Yeah. I am fascinated by her work about going back in the mind. And she does use certain hypnosis techniques and things like that, but she's a tra- she has traditional therapy as well. And she has mm-hmm. years of success in having an accelerated way that she works with people. And I just find that fascinating. And I think as a writer, I'm very curious as a writer how the mind works. Mm. I want to know what fuels my characters when I write fiction. I want to know what the aftermath of what I've survived or what I've learned how it affects my mind today. I think it's really important for writers to be curious about the brain, about the psyche, about emotional parameters, emotional well-being, emotional confidence, emotional intelligence. Mm. And so I just kind of crave those kind of pieces of information. I became, I went into an acting class in my early forties, not because I wanted to be an actor, but because I wanted to be a better writer for actors one day. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, well, oh, I better yeah. take an acting class. Of course, then I got the bug. Then I started going <laughs> on, and I was like, this is horrible. And I was already a comedian, which they say is the hardest job ever, right? Right. I didn't get paid enough for me to call it a job, really. But <laughs> um, well, let's be honest. I mean, let's. How much money do you have to make before you call it a job? Right. So, um, but I, I was always very interested in about what fuels a character, what, mm-hmm. and I learned so much in acting about like the classes that the choices that we make in that scene or the choices that we make you know in life and everything's sort of broken down to like this lizard brain like this fight or flight and there was just like a lot of information that i used in the in the acting classes that i ended up using in my first novel cubicide You know, something
2: that um, occurs to me because I I also studied acting and something that also that also that really fascinated me that I think is relevant to writing is the whole idea of the moment before. Yes. Right. So what was happening in the moment right before that? Right. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that? They They call it
0: the I remember them calling it the beat before. Yeah. And it's fascinating. I had an acting teacher that broke it down. I don't know if this was proprietary for him or if he'd learned it somewhere else. He's teaching, I think, in Florida, and I took a Shakespeare class for him or with him. I still use that voice when I—I I just feel like this is my Shakespeare voice. Um, <laughs> and i i feel like I remember part
2: of a soliloquy. Right, I feel i feel like
0: I remember part of a soliloquy. Even gently, Brutus stole from my bed, and yesterday night at supper, you—you you something something, and I remember feeling very connected to this character who I believe she ate, I think it was Portia and she ate a piece of coal. <laughs> That's how she died. Anyway, <laughs> um, I remember being in this class with him and I I found it so fascinating because he said that the choices we make are based in these these senses that are so primal. The flight, the fight, the sleep. I don't know how, I'll, I'll, I'll use the safe word for this because I don't know what your audience is. Uh, tolerance for swearing is. So I'll say fornicate. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. fight, flight, sleep, fornicate, hide. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that an eat, I think was, I was going to
2: say eat must be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Now I found that so fascinating about using that kind of just informative, just the way that I thought about scenes as I wrote them and how, when we're in a scene with someone, everybody's fighting for what they want. And if you watch two great actresses or two great, talents you could see them both fighting for what they want out of that scene mm-hmm. and they're coming from the beat before and they're also really cognizant of i think the hero's journey what are the flames they're willing what's a fire they're willing to walk through to get what they want who are their who are their wizards you know who who are their their demons along the way who are their gypsies and mm-hmm. i naturally write like that i naturally write like the hero's journey and i'm very attracted to that kind of writing So my thought process is always, why this story now? I write that way for copywriting, which I'm kind of veering away from now. I do things that really interest me in copywriting. But I do it in essays. I do it in novels. I do it, you know, I do it in, in the nonfiction. And in writing a memoir, it really helped me to have that thinking process so that I'm not taking every little scene. You know, I have a great memory for different scenes. Yeah. And you have to make a choice about where you're going to shine that light mm-hmm. on your story. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're pulling in stuff that doesn't move the story forward. <laughs> right. You're just telling everything. It's like having, you know, you know, you might love jewelry, but if you have five rings on and one beautiful aquamarine or one beautiful diamond, but around it, you've got this thing that you, a trinket that you bought, you know, and oh, you got a little like, oh, this was, it's chintzy, but it has memories for me. And you put it all in one hand at the same time, that diamond's not going to shine. And I really feel that writing has that I, I really feel that metaphor as cheesy as it is applies to writing.
2: Oh, so true, so true. And it's it, and it can be so tempting, right? Or just sure. in the desire to help people see the picture, the desire to want people to understand right. There can be it's so easy to overdo it, to over explain to write details that don't matter. And I don't care how experienced of a writer you are. Like nah, when I'm writing definitely. for myself, right, I have to do the same thing that I do with my clients and get ruthless. and, and kind yeah.
0: of <laughs> It's tough love time, isn't it? Yeah. I have something on my website so that if a client is attracted to coaching with me, and by the way, thank you so much for all the work that you do with writers because- Your work is very important. And I certainly don't do as much work on that level as you do. And I just, I'm in awe of all the people that you've helped. I think it's an amazing profession and we need more of you. Um, But one thing that's on my website to remind myself uh, and also any client that stops by, I hope they get it when they read it. But I have this quote that's on my website and I think it's on the publisher's website now too for the book. And it is, we do not write to be understood. We write to understand, mm. and uh, C. Day Lewis. And mm. beautiful. The beautiful. reason I love that so much is why this story now doesn't always do it. It's not. It's a little bit um, falls a little flat. It's great, and it gives you a sense of urgency. But when you look at the piece that you're writing, and you ask yourself, "What is it that I need to understand?" Mm. Instead of feeling like you need to push your words out on someone to be understood. Yeah. And when in your process of you understanding, that's how I tap into that writer's core, to that emotional core that I must have and I must be a part of in order to evoke the kind of emotional response that I would like from myself to write mm-hmm. it and that I would certainly like to gift my reader with right. so that they're engaged, you know. And I, I think that even in copywriting, you know, of course, all the copywriters say, I, I engage, I entertain. I convert, you know, and we get all corporate speak with these words, but it's really so much more enjoyable when we are engaged in a piece of writing. I joke about this all the time, but I love the Trader Joe's frequent flyer. I read that like it's a newsletter and it's talking about (laughs) But it is so funny. It's just like a little like magazine. It just tells you what's on sale. It's silly, but it's engaging. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they're using great little, they're, they're making it entertaining. They're making it engaging. It's just a, you know, maybe it's just a protein bar, but the words mm-hmm. that they use to describe it cracks me up. I'm like, these are my people. Yeah. They like words. They like food. I'm loving this. Right. And <laughs> there's always a way to engage someone's emotional mm-hmm. connection to something, whatever it is. So I believe in writing from the core. I believe in writing to understand. I think it's one of the most important professions in, of our time is to be an artist because we, yeah. are, we are the mm. custodians <laughs> of this history, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. we're the tellers of the truth the best we yeah, can through so our funny. own lens, of course. But. so
2: funny that you just said that because that's the other thing that I noticed as I'm going through, um, I too, by the way, I'm writing a one- a one-person show. So we have ridiculously amount of things in common. Oh, how fun. But, um, and, and, but I keep finding myself going back to, but what's the truth, right? What's the truth? Because you can right. tell the truth without giving all the details. Right. And, you know, so it's like, what is the truth here? And am I telling the truth or am I losing sight of that? And I think this is really important when you're developing a plot, right? Because I think it can be I've seen this happen over and over with writers where they get so hooked into an idea for how they want the plot to go that they are no longer telling the truth for the characters. Yeah. Anyway, say more about truth from your point of view because I do think this is another really important core
0: point. I love that question. My dedication page says for the truth seekers and the misfits. (laughs) And so what's a truth seeker? Well, truth, again, is it's like art it's subjective right so it's yeah. through our own lens mm-hmm. if you lined up five siblings and said tell me about christmas 20 you know 2015 yeah each sibling is going to have a different version of that and it's going to be through e- each one of them though is telling their truth and if you looked at that sibling and said that is not what happened mm-hmm. They're, they're going to look at you like, yes, it is, because it's through their own lens. And I think that's really important, especially in the area of memoir writing.
2: Yes. Well, that's what I'm you, saying, because I you cannot
0: tell other people's story. You can only tell yours.
2: And you've got to be true because this is this is something I've caught myself doing that I've then yeah. walked myself back and said no. I might be writing the
0: truth. When you say no to yourself, are you nice, are you like no, Robin? Or are you like Robin? No. I mean, I just want to know how, for myself.
2: It just just depends how far I went. How close Robin, to the cliff? How close, Robin? Come back. <laughs> I, I try it. to be, I try to be gentle. Uh, <laughs> but when I notice, like I might be telling that maybe I'm writing a scene that takes place when I'm much younger. Sure. But I'm telling it through my perspective as an adult, which isn't the truth for the the character that I'm writing that moment. Right. And so I think when you're writing autobiographical stuff, that's especially important. Right. You have to be in the truth.
0: Yeah. Because you want to drop them. I like to do this in fiction too, but I like to drop you into the story like I just flew over the scene. Bam, you're in it. And you're this age and you're this thought process and you're this. I tried very hard not to narrate on the narration, mm, which right, I think right. I've learned a little bit of that from working at a newspaper, you know, and also, you know, in comedy.
2: And writing comedy, I was going yeah, to say. because Yeah, it's be,
0: a really weird thing when someone tells a joke. It's actually fun, but it's odd. Like they'll tell a joke and then they'll spend time analyzing the joke. Right. That <laughs> happens in cafes when we're working out stuff. And I think comics, like comics... To do that, so we're seeing your process, and it makes us laugh because we know what you're going through. But on stage with an audience, it's tricky. Jim Gaffigan gets away with that; he's really great mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. He'll take you yeah. into his internal dialogue, right, right? But man, that's a skill. <laughs> I don't know if people realize what kind of trust level and confidence this guy actually has. Mm -hmm. In his ability to do that, because he'll say the joke and he'll go, he'll do that voice or whatever, and then he'll he'll take the audience into his own internal dialogue about how he how that he thinks that they're responding to his joke. It's very interesting how he does that. I do not have that skill, and it's like, but it's funny. Like you'll be up there and you'll get a laugh sometimes when a punchline doesn't work. When you go if you say something like, you know, well, like I'll be on a rant and then I'll realize, oh, I've gone down a weird road right now and I have no punchline. And so I'll just say to the audience, so that has no punchline and it just makes me feel better. Thank you for being my therapy. And yeah. we move on. And, and um, you know, we get a left, laugh, from by the way, yeah, exactly. you know, we're being in the moment too, which is yeah, really you're important being in the
2: moment and you're, I'm actually you're writing being, the joke
0: in the moment. Right. Right. Yeah. And you, and you're being honest, yeah. right. You're being yeah. one with one with
2: what is, which is what Right. But truth
0: in writing is, you know, you really have to ask yourself, is this truth really my truth or what I think the truth should be? Right. And that will mess with your head all day long. You might need to go lay down. (laughs) Like you might ask yourself that question. I'm writing a novel right now called Goat House about five women and the friendships that, you know, have grown and, and splintered. I dropped the right reader into each story of these five women and how they all come together. But I dropped them in at the fork in the road, which I love to do. And they're all in crisis. All of them have just had a life-changing event with it where all of a sudden, there's no more false bravado. They really need each other now. Because, mm. you know, they, they got confident. They were successful. Things happened. They got a little cocky. and I'm exploring this thought process of friendship, women's friendships and how they evolve and how they're, I feel they're so much more complicated than men's friendships. And that might be my own ignorance about what I think a man, a man's friendship is. I don't know, but just in my experience and then Mm -hmm. going through menopause and everything and what I was really interested in as I'm working through these characters and I think I'm like 65 pages in or something. Is that I would get to this place where I was like, oh, I think that I veered into the other character's truth instead of this character's truth. Because oh. five women, they're all strong women. for right. a lot <laughs> of people, Right? I'm like, have I bitten off more than I can chew here? Or yeah, right. am I drowning? And I'd just take some time and go back and, and I'd find that, oh, I'm very entertained by these people. Mm-hmm and but what i'm finding is is that our truths bleed over into each others it's why we choose people in our life and why we attract certain people maybe they're only there for a certain time or whatever but we're constantly in this flow of teaching one another and and people coming in and out of our lives but what i find is our truths either are meld and they bleed into each other or Our value hierarchy separates us from what their truth is. It becomes sometimes unmanageable for us to say, yeah, that's that's okay with me. It may not be okay. We saw that a lot, I think, in the division of our country through politics, which I don't think personally, I had never seen anything like it. And then I started experiencing it in my friendships and um i mean i'm i'm pretty liberal but i was like i realized oh i i have a lot of empathy for those that aren't and i found this hard straight line where people were like nope, not going to listen to it and i was like i can't do that as a creator mm. i can't do that as a writer i can't do it as a survivor of a cult because yes. if you what they believe you're Mm. done and you lose your whole family Mm. and if you've ever been like because of your beliefs or you won't believe someone's rhetoric been shunned and lost everybody you knew in one day it's a different viewpoint to come from that so when we speak about truth it's like it's so personal there should be like an opening where like a little bit of water comes in and you go oh that oh yeah I'm, i'm over here in my in my little vessel but i see that there's some water coming in is this? What do they believe? Be curious. Yes, I want to be yes. curious enough to, like, yeah, it's my truth, but it's, I don't want to be staunch about it, I guess is my point.
2: Right. And I think that's the same with, with like when your characters present to you, right? Like what, cause it, it's, it is, it's an inquiry. Like it's not just like a hard and fast, this is the truth, but it's like, oh, what are you feeling? Well, why do you feel that way? You know, what, right? What is the source of this? Or, you know, is th- that's what I find is just asking, listening for what's the, what's the next layer of truth? You know, what's, what's, yeah, I don't know. The truth is a, such well, a What would they trend. like
0: to create? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. there's, there's a reason why there's so many life coaches out there. And I did some writing for life coaches and it blew my mind. Like oh. what was going on in the back end there and the, behind the orange curtain. I mean, it was like, <laughs> there's some demons out there in these life yeah. coaches. And I was like, yeah. wow. You know, and I would take their writing and go. Yeah, this isn't going to motivate someone who isn't feeling great about where they're where they're at. Yeah. They need to have a, a snapshot of what could be. Right. And but the pain points were so big. Like they would make the pain points so big in the writing that I was like, who's going to climb over this boulder to get to your course? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> And I would change it, you know, because I came from a background of sales too. So I do like this inquiry of myself, like, man, if I felt like this, how hard am I going to, like, how, how fast and hard am I going to climb here for your program? That's, you know, 599 over three payments, you know? (laughs) So yeah, there's. There's so much that goes into the varying kinds of writing that we all do. Like we, we're constantly selling ourselves in some way or another, where we're, mm-hmm. whether we're doing a query letter or whether we're we're selling our characteristics to our own characters, so they don't turn up and look at us during writing and say, I would never say that. Which is the weirdest thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: like, I love talking to writers about that. I'm like, we're not insane. aren't you? That happens to you too, right? I, oh yeah, that's one of the, absolutely. I always bring that up. I, I've had writers. a
2: character just be arms folded back to me, like you're not, you're not hearing me. I'm not talking <laughs> yeah. to you anymore. Yeah, no, we're not
0: doing this today. You might, you yeah. better go clean the closet. Go,
2: today. go think about what you just asked. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: And and then do you ever get really like, I get some kind of, I get a little bit pissy sometimes if I, you know, my, my voice comes on that says, all right, looks like we're going to have to sit down and really get to know this character. And I'm like, I don't want to sit there and list on a yellow legal pad. Oh, they're like, and she's selfish and she's nervous and she's, you know, no, I want to learn who they are through a scene. And that might come from screenwriting because I have a Mm -hmm. background in screenwriting. I took a lot of screenwriting classes. Classes and I studied with uh, Chris Devore, who wrote the Elephant Man. I took his oh, course no. at Santa Fe. Uh, he was teaching an advanced uh, screenwriting class, mm-hmm. and I loved that class so much; yeah. I was just glued to it. And um, I think that's really cool to learn about a character because you threw the scene at them. You know,
2: I think you learn so much more about characters you're writing and people in general yeah. by observing what they yeah. do and how they do it. Right? How they show up. You can have a list of adjectives describing their traits, but you know, adjectives are even even the definitions are very, you know, <laughs> like right. go to a thesaurus and see all the different nuances that you can right. come up with just yeah. with that word. But if you can see them in action, then you get the nuance with it. And if you right. can show them in action, then you get to see what their version of arrogance I mean, or their throw the characters
0: of... on a trip, a 48-hour yep, trip to Las Vegas. <laughs> throw them all in the car. They got to take a car. Just for yourself. Right, right. You know, like it's in the book, but, you know, or, or the or the short story, but throw them in a car and they're going to Vegas and they've got 48 hours. I love it. And everything that happens. And they say that in relationships, if I ever find someone I'm interested in to spend 48 hours with in the car or Las Vegas, just in general, yeah. I will want to go to Las Vegas with this next victim. I mean, boyfriend. Um <laughs> Because I do think there's something to be said about like, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be Las Vegas, but traveling with someone mm-hmm. and watching as things unfold that you can't control. Right. Because when we travel, we can't control everything. We're out of our comfort zone. Yeah. You're going to have to use a new pillow. Yep. They tuck the sheets in and I'm going to have to rip those sheets out so my <laughs> feet are comfortable. I don't like this comforter who's been on it. Let's right. Fold this <laughs> What is that noise? Like You're going to be out of your comfort zone. And it's really interesting to see people, how they respond to one another and the world around them when they're out of their comfort zone. And so that's one way I like to get to know my characters uh, when I write fiction. But for nonfiction, it's a discipline too to say, who am I when I'm out of my comfort zone? Where's my value hierarchy when things are not going well? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hi there, Robin here. Have you been considering writing a thought leadership book that grows your business? How about writing a quality standout book with a real book publishing deal behind it that not only grows your business, but also grows your influence and reach in case you're new to the author's corner. My name is Robin Colucci and I help world-class experts write world-changing books and get them published with over 30 years in the publishing industry. I've helped clients write and publish books with Big Five and other top publishing houses. Many have gone on to become New York Times, Amazon, and Wall Street Journal, as well as USA Today bestsellers. And others have increased their business income by 600 times or more as a result of their book being out in the world and the partnering work that they did with me and my team. If you are a top-notch expert who is ready to write your world-changing book, go ahead and book a free consultation call with my team today. We have a limited number of spots available and we only take clients who are committed to the process and want to get their book started now. If that sounds like you go to www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Go ahead and fill out the application form to be considered for one of our exclusive spots. Again, The link is www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Now back to the show. listen yeah. before i let you go i do have to ask you another question because i i can't sure. believe, i'm looking at the clock going how did this happen how did we get so <laughs> far into this hour so tell us about do you have a specific process as far as like how you set up your writing time your schedule you know because this i get asked this question a lot by people yeah. you know, like how do i plan my time and my work so that i can actually get get this done and you clearly get a lot done so i'd love to hear you share with our listeners what you do
0: well I've late, I found that I have a new um, character in my own life and mine called the procrastinator. And I didn't (laughs) used to be this much of a procrastinator. And so what I'm realizing is I'm just getting a little anti-authority. And so I have to, you know, I can't say I'm going to do this. Uh, I'll I'll start off with a to-do list. I mean, I already have one today. Let's see where it's at. I can't wait to get off this call so I can cross off. 10 a.m. podcast with Robin. I mean, I have a a to-do list. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes my to-do list really sabotages my creativity. Mm -hmm. And I find sometimes that if I just write a general to-do list, so I remember the things I have to do that day. But one of the most important things to do, in addition to scheduling, that you are a writer and so you probably should write, is I have to sometimes give myself permission to write. And I think that and permission to be creative because here's the thing: I do write some content. Like I have a client that I do email campaigns for, and I love working with her. She has a stand-up paddleboard business. What do I know about stand-up paddleboard? I can barely stand up straight walking down the hallway. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I'm not a paddleboarder. I'm not an athlete. I, I was as a as a teen. I would you know, I used to ride ride my ten speed all over the place, and I considered myself a bit of an equestrian. I was not, but in my mind, I was as a teenager. And, uh, I was a runner and blah, blah, but I am not known for my, you know, eloquent balance on any sport, especially a paddleboard. I love, I love working with her because she lets me be really creative with the things she needs to talk about in her, her announcements. So, so for instance, recently we were doing something about that summer was here and I, you know, I did like this little, uh, play on schools out for summer and did a link to it and said, listen, you know, coming, this is going to appeal to your inner rebellious teenager that summer is out. And I just did this whole thing like it had nothing to do with stand up paddle boarding, yeah. but let it back to see you out on the water, you know, right. because what it did it was it brought in that inner like it had an emotional aspect of it, which is what attracts me to writing for anyone. I can't write for people that are like, really like, they want every Like people have said, this is too funny. And I'm like, oh, God, you're not no. funny. You know, If they say this is too funny, I wrote for a parking lot company once. Right. And I said, listen, I've done a lot of trade shows as a salesperson. I'm telling you, these guys are all bored. Let's yeah. do some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I had to convince them it was better to be funny to get the attention of their clients than not. Yeah. I mean, I really had to do a sales wow. pitch on, on that. So what I have to do when I sit down to write my own stuff is step away from the content writing. Yeah. Give myself permission to be creative mm-hmm. and usually to to do the process of that. Sometimes I'll I'll have to just jump in to what I think might be the middle of the page mm-hmm. or what I think might be the third point. Because yeah. if I start off too linear, I start to get really rigid and disciplined and my writing gets really mm, tight. Mm-hmm. It also depends too on the genre you're writing in. So if you're writing in a romantic comedy, or you're writing like with these five women, these women are pretty creative, and they're pretty. One of them's very uptight, so her languaging and even the narration that goes along with it, the the sentences are shorter, the cadence of the speech is clipped. Whereas someone who is one of the characters is very sexual, and she's you know she's like uh, uh, the barefoot Contessa, Ina Gar on like this orgy with food and sex and her languaging is very open and flowy and extra words and she over explains herself and the narration that goes along with her chapter is also longer. Mm -hmm. Whereas the one that's uptight So I want the reader to feel that as soon as they step into the chapter that, oh, this is a different character. And even what I call it narration, because that comes from screenwriting, but, you know, even, or or they'll call it even the business. They'll say, read the business. And the business is the narration, like describing of the scene. Mm -hmm. So I have to get myself into the place where it's okay for me to be creative. I'm not writing somebody's email campaign. Mm -hmm. I'm not answering an email to my publisher. I'm not, you know, I'm just writing this piece. Mm -hmm. I did a podcast recently and I was jarred by it because it was called shooting it raw and they wanted you to come up with four photos that would describe your journey in the story that you're going to tell. So that was for my book. So I had to pick four photos from my childhood. Mm -hmm. It's not like I've never looked at these photos, but there were two that didn't make it into the, into the piece. And when I looked at these two photos side by side, I could see one that was a girl who still had her innocence at 11, mm-hmm. and at 13, the girl who'd lost her innocence from abuse. Yeah. And I could see it on my face wow. and each. Buddha. and it slayed me and it bothered it didn't bother me so much that's not really the right word it intrigued me and it disturbed me to the level of how bothered I was like it literally laid me out like I was in bed I'm not that kind of person I really move through things and I I consider things but I you know I'm not one to go to bed and you know cry for a day so I was really like I had to think about this for a while and I decided I have to write about this Because back to that quote, I had to write not to be understood, but to understand it. Why did I have that reaction? And the more that I wrote about it, the more it unfolded and the more that I was able to understand why this was happening. And so the essay went out for edit, came back. I fooled with it a little bit more and I sent it out. I don't know where it'll land. If anything, it'll land on my my own side or whatever, which is fine because yeah. I wrote to understand. Mm-hmm. And I just think the emotional impact of what we write when we're really tied into our emotions, give yourself that gift mm-hmm. to tie into your own emotional core. And it's okay to be rattled by it sometimes. I don't know if yeah. you do this with your clients, but sometimes I say, what's your support system like? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you have a therapist? Do you have a pastor? Mm-hmm. Do you have a best friend? Because I don't write pop culture. We don't write like that. <laughs> like, what's this yeah. it's <laughs> enough of that blurty mcblurt blurt. Blur, you know, I want to know why you want to write that. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to get angry. Mm-hmm. I want to see the emotional impact on yourself and your readers, mm-hmm. because that's why someone wants to read. When you think about all the beautiful writing that you have, there's always like the sentence that you go, oh man, that was good. Why do we say that? Why do we say, oh, that was so good because it hit us in our heart. Mm -hmm. All all the things that we listen to, there's so much content now, all the chatter. What was it about that thing that hit you in your heart? And I'll make people go through their writing, not make them, that's the wrong word, Oh I'll, I'll invite, invite people them. to go through their writing and say just take a yellow highlighter, right, 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 right. And then take a yellow highlighter and go through and highlight anything that made you catch your breath in your solar plexus. How do you feel when you read it? And that right there is the power, the core power of what you want to say. Yeah, so, and I find
2: I find also just to add to that because I something that I also shared with my clients is in these what you're describing. First of all, I have a lot to say about this. First of all, is that I believe that writing to understand in that way, especially when you're when you have a trauma come forward or you're, you're, you're yeah you know, sometimes these memories show up years later, and writing it out helps you helps to process it helps to understand right. what happened how what the impact was on you and i think that so it's very healing first of all i really find this with memoir you know when somebody's writing a memoir about a, tra- a traumatic experience or that includes traumatic experiences i think it's a great opportunity to go back and you you kind of have to relive it in a way but you get mm-hmm. to relive it with perspective you get to relive it on one level going through it again and on the other level having that witness perspective of how this is part of the fabric of this incredible quilt called your life, you know, this incredible mm-hmm. tapestry of your life and how it's a piece of that work of art that is your life. Yes. And so that is so powerful as 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 an opportunity to understand At a a much deeper level. And then the other thing about that that is so special and really inspiring, because another thing I sort of one of my (laughs) sayings, if you will, is the more personal, the more universal. Right. Yeah. So the more we're willing to be vulnerable and transparent and, and honest, you know, at one with what is with ourselves and understanding Then that actually creates more universality to our writing that makes Mm -hmm. it something that other people can go, oh, yeah, I feel that way too, or that happened to me, or whatever that might be. Right. Um, And then it helps them to process.
0: I have this saying along those same lines, you are the god of your story. Mm -hmm. So you get to decide what the landscape is and what it looks like. And I always say it's better for you to put it all in and then go through and do an edit yeah. than it is for you to feel like you can't trust yourself to tell the real story. Mm. Put it all in there and then we can always edit it. Yes. And if you want to have a file that's just yours, I'm never going to look at it. It's off limits. Mm-hmm. But don't throw anything away because there might be some nuggets in there that you were afraid to explore in the beginning of the piece. And as you get more confident with your process, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, whether it's an essay, a short story, a novel, a memoir, a script, whatever it is, I promise you that the truth is in there and it's going to get uncovered the more that you trust it. I was thinking of it like somebody on a jetpack. I don't know where this comes from. I'm like, did I get this from like watching like, I don't know, Star Trek as a kid or like, you know, I don't know. Maybe the Jetsons. You know, know, the (laughs) jetpack. It's like somebody's like, and they fly over their own life and they look down and they go, ooh, not ready.
1: (laughs) And they go to
0: like the parameters of their life and then they go, oh, that's scary. And then they come back and then sometimes they have all the the trust and all the faith and the belief to come all the way down and land and look that antagonist in in the eye and say, this is what I think. This is what I'm creating now. You are no longer an obstacle for me. I've crossed, you know, in the hero's journey, I've crossed through the fire. I met my gypsies. I met my demons along the way. And now I'm, I'm headed to where I want to go. And I think that's where the reader wants to go to. They want to see you learn or win or both. So that's how I think it works. I might be completely wrong. One day we might have this conversation again and go, "Katie, you didn't know anything about what you were talking about." It's so embarrassing. Uh, I
2: I highly doubt that, Katie. I, I I feel pretty confident that you're exactly right. We might look back on this
0: and go, "Katie was full of crap." Uh, anyway,
2: <laughs> if only le- if only it were so easy that you're wrong. Unfortunately. <laughs> You are right, which is why uh, uh, it, it takes some guts to be a writer. Um, it sure All does. right. Now, before I let you go, because I could yes. keep you here all day, but then you'll never cross you. it off your list. This so. has been
0: so fun. <laughs> I'm lonely, Robin.
2: Keep talking to me. Another trait of writers. Another. I've been
0: in my writer's bubble. Keep speaking.
2: <laughs> anyway. oh, so my... My final question, my signature final question, you get to have yeah. the opportunity to answer, which is, uh, Katie, what have I not asked you today that you would love to answer?
0: Oh, my God. How did I not hear this question <laughs> when I was researching you? you what have you not out. asked me today <laughs> that you would, you would like, love to answer? That's so good. I think maybe that what am I most afraid of? in the process in this and what we term uh, as success in writing. Mm. And I think, I mean, I've been dealing with this lately, like, wow, this is odd that there's a separation that's happening for me a little bit. Like I'm ready to start writing this next book, but I'm also ready to be on stage again. And I have like this fear of looking up and my community's disappeared Like, how do I keep it all like rolling? You know, like keep writing, keep on stage, you know, get the tour going, keep up with the marketing. I'm, you know, I've got two books I want to write. I've got several books I want to read. I'd like to have a relationship. I'm supposed to move. I want to move to my little, you know, swanky bungalow by the sea. I want to be a a coy writer by the sea. So I have all these things that I want to do. And I want to quote unquote level up as the coaches say. And I realize. I don't want to look up and see that I've arrived at some place that we think is success in writing, whatever that might be. It's different for everyone and see that my community is dissipated because I was so focused on getting that next story out or just, you know, getting through the next thing that I need to do. And I thought, well, if I have that fear, there must be a reason for it and I should probably pay attention to it. So I think it's interesting to ask people about their fears and I don't have any answers. Again, no punchline for this folks, Yeah, but I'm looking at what scares me a little bit more than I used to. That's my answer. (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, and I I just I'm just astounded at like how much of you and your life I, I I can really relate to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I you're so writing a solo me, show, we've got to come
0: and talk. We've got to right? talk again as that. Yes. Because if you really want to scare yourself, write a solo show.
2: Uh, amen to that, sister. Yeah, <laughs> that is, yeah. That is definitely quite the challenge. And I would right. love for us to get together on, on our oh, own. Oh, I would love and, it. And, and talk and play with that. Katie, that this has good. been such a joy thank Thank you you. for your insight and your humor and your work and uh thank Thank you you for being on the author's
0: corner thank you very much robin i appreciate it
1: thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the author's corner you're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.